Welcome to another episode of And Then It Hit Me. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we're interviewing Dalton Leno and Will Nicholson. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being on here today with me. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You, you nailed the names. This is great. <laughs> good. Talk, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. I it know. <laughs> you got it. You're good to go. <laughs> good. Awesome. Dalton always asks like five times before <laughs> each podcast, like, is this, is this how I say your name? Just and to then, be sure. Probably 10% of the time, he still gets it wrong. So <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so uh, the two of you guys are recent. Well, um, Dalton was saying you've been physiotherapist now in Canada for a year. Yeah. That's time flies, eh? When you're having fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, exactly. What jobs are you guys in now that you've graduated? Um, yeah, so I work at two different clinics. Uh, I've been at those clinics since I graduated. Um, they're outpatient, orthopedic, focused, uh, private practice. But, you know, see a variety of different clientele. Um, it really does range in age, uh, in uh, the type of kind of... Uh, like where they're coming from. So like, we'll see um, people who've been in motor vehicle accidents, seeing people with work related injuries, but then wow. also just, you know, uh, your average Joe coming off the street with an issue. So you get a lot variety. of uh, variety and uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I work at one place three days a week and another place for two days a week, but they're actually under the same company. Oh, awesome. <laughs> just different locations. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, keep it fresh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, on my end, I actually work for the same company as well, just in a different, in a different city. So I, oh, I work nice. at a, the same, same clinic, outpatient, orthopedic, private practice. Um, I'm on board with what I see a, also a wide variety of, of people, like sometimes majority of them private, but I'll, I'll see some WSIB. I'll see some motor vehicle accidents. Um, age ranges again, vary quite, quite vastly from sometimes like younger, most, like I don't see too many like young, young kids. Um, but I'll see like, you know, teenagers all the way up to, um, older adults. And then I also work part-time at a, at a gym as a, as a oh, coach, nice. like a strength and conditioning coach, um, in London. And so I do, I kind of split between, between the clinic and, and the gym at the gym. I'm coaching like group classes as well as like some private, some private clients there. Um, it's a great, a great community. I'm going to give them a shout out cause I love them, but it's called movement strength, um, in London, Ontario. If you're in the awesome. area, check it out. It's a great place. Awesome guys. And then on top of that, as if you're not busy enough, you guys <laughs> do a podcast called The Movement. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that too? Yeah, so me, me and Will started in our second year of physiotherapy school. Um, we originally started an Instagram account uh, called The Movement PTs. And that's where we started putting out like a lot of our content. Um, we exercise videos, mostly exercise videos, and then some educational things. And um, that kind of led us to the podcast platform. Me and Will would uh, sit down quite often over a cup of coffee and, and, and rant a bit, both good and bad sometimes. Um, <laughs> you have to. Trying to figure out this crazy world of the rehab uh, <laughs> profession. But um, that led to us wanting to start uh, a podcast. So we started the PT Coffee Cast. 
where we sit down over a cup of coffee and talk with other healthcare professionals um, about like the state of the profession, yeah. how we can get better, um, what we're doing well. We also sit down with with other guests like obviously Lindsay was on was on yeah. our our podcast. It was a great That's episode. Awesome. Um, so we we kind of do that and. Yeah, I would say that's probably the gist of of our podcast. Very cool. So what would you guys <laughs> say has been the biggest reward being physiotherapist th- thus far? I guess through school, and then you guys had placement, and now you're working as physiotherapists. So what would be the biggest um, reward? And then we'll go to the challenge side after that. Sure. I think um, from reward standpoint, I think anytime you can – take somebody who maybe has a more negative viewpoint of themselves and you can help shift that uh, mindset. And I think, I think personally that's when I feel the biggest reward is when I help someone shift how they view themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, because you see that carry into their life day to day and you see them making decisions that are better because of that and it's not necessarily like uh you having to direct them uh i think that's when i feel most rewarded is when i see it um empowering them to kind of like uh go about their lives with more confidence and uh and make their own decisions with uh yeah with more confidence awesome yeah, that that was very well said, man. Honestly, I think uh, I think I would agree with that. I'm, I think we're we're kind of on the same page. Maybe that's why we we do a lot of stuff together. But uh, <laughs> I I would agree with that. I think the the most rewarding thing for me, and if we can put like a certain scenario to it, would be like if you've been working with someone for for the last little while, and you know you've been working towards their goals and getting them to try new things and experiment with things that maybe they were scared or afraid of before. Um, and they come back in and they'll be like, they'll be like, I tried to do X exercise or I tried to do X activity that you didn't even tell them to do. And they just had the the confidence and the empowerment, like Will said, to try it on their own. And they come back with like the biggest smile on their face and they're uh-huh. like, I, you know, I haven't picked up my, let's just say like grandchild and like this long because of my back pain. And like, I just did it the other day without even thinking about it. You know, it's, it's like those kind of things that for me is like the most rewarding part um, is just when you can allow someone to have that confidence or that empowerment to just go out in their life and just do what they want to do um, is sure. super, super cool. For sure. I know that's one of the things that definitely inspired me to get into the healthcare profession instead of going back to doing accounting is just, I know that I was not the most compliant or nicest uh, patient out there half the days at the beginning of it all. Cause when they are telling you, you had to do this, 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 you look at them like, are you nuts? That's not even in the cards. (laughs) (laughs) And then as you slowly progress, like going from a wheelchair to a, to a walker, to a cane, to eventually nothing that in itself. And I have like the progression photos too. So to even look back at that and go, this is because of you guys. And yes, my hard work too, but you guys pushing me and everything that I've been able to get there. So thank you very much guys as physios being able to push us and getting us to the next level. (laughs) No problem. We're all about, we're all about that. Yes. 
So what would you guys say the other side of this, what would be the biggest challenges that you encounter? Hmm. This, this is, this is a tough question. Will, do you have an answer like already in your head? Cause I, I might have to, I might have to think about it for a second. You might have to mull this one over. <laughs> yeah, I, might have, I might have to take another sip of my coffee here. And just, just <laughs> take think. a couple sips, get that <laughs> caffeine in you. And I'll, I'll try to do what I can while you think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many challenges. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, is it just comes down to uh, having like, it comes down to all communication based things, you know, like uh, because it's hard to communicate uh, something to somebody who's in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. um, in a way that doesn't, increase the amount of threat but that also provides them with some type of blueprint for like how things are gonna go from here yeah and get them to to buy into that process for sure you know because a lot of what we deal with is not cut and dry Mm -hmm. uh it's not black and white everyone's different and lots of people want a quick solution you know <laughs> yes, yes and i know physio is anything but that yes um, and it's really hard to get somebody to invest in that process for sure yeah i would agree and, and like just to kind of maybe build build off that a little bit is like it's just our human nature right like we're all like we sit here and talk about like we all want like everyone wants a quick fix and like yeah. but that's that's just how we're built as humans so it's hard like it's hard to navigate that sometimes because we've been in situations i know i have where i'm like i don't want it i want it just i want it now right like i want it now and like it's just not the reality of stuff so i feel like for us is like trying to communicate to the person that you know has been in pain for a year and doesn't want to be in pain anymore and have to sit there and be like well listen like you know, it's going to be a bit of a journey. Like it's not going to go away maybe in a day or two or weeks or, or months, you know, it's going to take some hard work and commitment and there's going to be ups and downs and not everything is certain. And there's so many factors that play into your recovery. Like it's, that's the most challenging part is trying to help someone understand that part of the process without losing them. Because sometimes like, like Will said, like people want to get better now and we know that in reality that might not be the best thing and sometimes people aren't ready to commit to that type Mm -hmm. of journey and and that's when things become challenging between like healthcare provider and and the person for sure or giving them exercises to do and they come back and didn't do them (laughs) i know when i was doing placement that was a little bit frustrating for me is you tell them do X, Y, Z. And if you do it over time, that'll help you out. And then you ask them, well, have you done them? And they look at you kind of blank face, like, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's a battle. And I, and I think me and Will have started to learn is like being reflective and honest with ourselves at times is like, well, why isn't this person doing it? So, yeah. okay. There, there may be some reasons, right? There may be the reason is like, maybe you're not, maybe you're not reading or hearing this person well enough and you're giving them six, seven exercise to go home with when they, they don't even have time to do three. 
Okay. So maybe you need to think about what that person across from you is dealing with and like understand them a little better, or maybe you didn't do a good enough job at communicating the purpose of these exercises Mm -hmm. for this person, you know, or maybe, maybe the exercises aren't goal related. So like first what I've started to do is like reflect on myself and like, okay, what didn't I do well enough in this situation to make this person realize how important these exercises are. Cause I think at first we have to take some ownership for that. Cause like that, that's, you know, on us. But then after you've started to do those and go through those checklists of like, okay, you know, I've related it to this person's goal. I've listened to them in the sense of like, I'm not giving them 20 exercises when they maybe only have time for three or, yeah. you know, whatever that may be. And then they're still not, you know, doing it or they're still not kind of following the plan. Then it's like reevaluating the situation as like, is this person even ready to take on the rehab process? And I think it, there is periods of time where people may not be ready for it. And, and that's not on you as a, as a healthcare provider, but it's, it's a thing that you need to recognize and a hard conversation sometimes to have with people is like sitting down and being like, Hey, like, do you think this is appropriate for you right now? Like, are you ready for this? And and some people aren't. And some people no. are actually, I've had situations where people are actually relieved that I've asked them like, Hey, are you ready? Are you ready for this rehab process and to commit to it? And they're like, no, I'm, I'm really not. And I don't know why I'm here really. And, and they feel like a sense of relief and, and happy that like, you know, they don't have to continue on. And like, we're not, I'm not forcing <laughs> you to be here. Right. No. And, and I think some people just get kind of, lost in and maybe the system of healthcare and they just have been referred to so many different people and like their doctor just said hey go try physio but they have no idea why they're even even there exactly you know that's a big thing and it all starts i think in their own, your own mindset you have to want to be there and want to help yourself first before somebody else can help you exactly goes a long way <laughs> yeah it does it goes a long way for the outcomes as well for 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 people yeah so working in the clinic, you guys probably work with a lot of other physiotherapists, right? Are there any other uh, professionals that you work with there at all? And being that you're an outpatient, have any of you taken on any really, I guess, unique cases where there's a case manager and an occupational therapist and the list goes on and on and on, as we know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I find we don't work too often with other professionals just because we're in our kind of like own little bubble like sometimes we work with massage therapists okay um that might be one example but even that it's it's not super often but definitely have been in situations where like uh have had occupational therapists collaborate on like a case and a case manager um and a lot of that is like like writing progress uh notes or um or just understanding like what they're doing from that side of things too Mm -hmm. um even if it just means that you're aware this person's going to a lot of appointments yes you know so just like having that influence maybe um maybe how how much work you're giving them uh that kind of thing um And I have had uh, occupational therapists, uh, you know, like ask certain questions or uh, to understand maybe more about what we're working on. Yeah. I think that's awesome whenever that happens. Yeah, 
the interprofessional communication, it's a great thing. And it definitely, when everyone works hand in hand, I think it definitely helps the recovery process speed along a little bit better. Yeah, it can. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not <laughs> super easy to communicate. Like there's not that many uh, good efficiencies in place to make that happen. Um, and the reality is, is our days are often really busy and having the time to sort of like collaborate maybe as much as uh, would be beneficial is oftentimes just not there. And I think that's the reality. I mm -hmm. think it's, it's a good vision to have, to have more collaboration. Um, but it also can spin the other way, you know, like sometimes people can be over medicalized. They're seeing too many people, True. you know, uh, yeah, maybe collaboration would be better in that case. So everybody's at least on the same page, mm -hmm. but maybe this person needs to see less people. Yeah. You know, I think that's also something that's potentially in the cards, right? Have a good balance. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, things can swing too far anyway with, with, most, with most situations. I think we speak from an outpatient perspective as well, where I think that that collaboration becomes a little more difficult because like Will said, like for me, I, we only have a massage there, another massage therapist in, okay. in our clinic, but from an inpatient like hospital setting, I think the collaboration there is a lot more easily accessible. And I'm sure Lindsay, you noticed like when you went through your recovery that like there was a lot more opportunity for that collaboration because you know you have your ot you have your physio you have your speech pathologist you have your social worker you have your doctor right you have all of those people there and i think that's where you see very much that interprofessional collaboration which mm -hmm. is which is great and i think from an outpatient setting depending on your clinical setting you you don't have that and it makes it more challenging for us to find time in our schedule or that person to find time in their schedule to come together and collaborate and talk about like a person that you're both, you're both working with. Right. For sure. On top of having to write insurance, the uh, progress reports too. I'm sure that's lots of fun too for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's part of the, part of the job. <laughs> yes. My physio keeps saying that the paperwork just keeps getting more and more and more. <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> so what would you guys say um what's the importance of healthcare providers and having a good support system for someone that's a survivor that's gone through any sort of trauma that you guys might see like for myself i had my family who were my caregivers okay. and friends yeah. who were awesome and i know that without them they they were my daily cheerleaders <laughs> for sure yeah if, if that's what you're coming from that yeah. perspective like obviously having a supportive group of people around an individual um, is going to help them, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you need that, especially if we're talking about like a trauma, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially like we, we know your story. So like your situation, right? Like you need those people around you because right. there's going to be times where one, you, you feel horrible. Like you don't want to get up and do what you need to do. Sometimes you probably feel hopeless or that things aren't going to, aren't going to get better and like having that support system around you to push you during those times where like you're having trouble pushing yourself I think is is valuable in any situation like whether it be a traumatic situation or whether it just be like daily life like 
falling back and having that support system um, is, is key. For sure. And I think it's like, just to elaborate a little bit on that, like we know these like social factors are so important to somebody's recovery. I think what becomes difficult is where uh, people, people will avoid um, telling people about what's going on. And that can often spiral into uh, lack of like social engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's like, part of it is like the importance trusting that people will understand your situation uh, or, or they'll try, like if you explain it, you know, and the result may not be as bad as maybe it's uh, built up in your head, you mm-hmm. know? And so that's, that's like a, a big uh, barrier, you know, cause it's great to have a support system, but you've got to use it. Definitely. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. And, that, and that can, that can be challenging. I know there's times in my life where, I know I have a good support system, but you, you kind of avoid, you kind of avoid those conversations and, and for whatever reason, you know, and, and that can become more challenging on yourself. And usually oftentimes when you do reach out to that support system and kind of share the story that you're going through, like oftentimes you feel much, much better about it in the, in the end. For sure. Definitely helps. And I know even going, when I was going in the long-term care, when I was working my placement, it's so sad seeing some of the older people there that don't have a support system and they rely heavily on the nurses, the physios, the, like their deal, the PSWs. And that, Mm -hmm. that is their family, quote unquote. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, right? Like, and I'm sure, you know, people in that situation, it's hard for me because obviously I haven't experienced that. And I, and I have had family members that have gone through that, but have had good support. Um, but like, if you take it even to like a level that maybe I can understand more is like, um, when you feel alone, like if you have an injury, let's say an injury that you're dealing with and you don't have, like you isolate yourself because like you, you stop doing things that you enjoy because of that injury, like participating in exercise or participating in like, like uh, community events, like you start to feel that loneliness and that sadness. Yeah. Right. So as, as a healthcare professional, like my goal always is is to try to get someone back to doing what matters to them, like in some capacity, as soon as they, as soon as they can and really pushing people to, to get back to those communities or those support systems that, Mm -hmm. that they normally engage in as soon as, as soon as we can, because that just goes a long way for, for your, your, how you feel. And, and what we know about outcomes is like, that's, that's a very important thing for people. For sure. And the people having a why to push forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. In your experience, what are the key components of an ideal recovery? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a good, this is a good questions. Whew. Well, I think uh, believing that they have the tools uh, that are needed to uh, be successful, that, that belief is uh, one of the most important things uh, you know, for somebody to have a good outcome. Uh, And I don't think that happens immediately often, you know, but uh, it can develop over time. Uh, So that's what I I feel like that's a big thing, you know, is that self developing that self efficacy uh, 
in terms of like having a successful outcome. I think we've touched on like a lot of it. If you take like what we've kind of talked about and like what yeah. Will, Will just said was, was, was really good too. And Will, you, you kind of said just making people realize that they have the tools to be able to like can take control of their own kind of situation is, is what you were saying, correct? Yeah, totally. I think yeah. that's like one component, right? There's, For sure. Yeah. I, I think I heard the question as like characteristics. No, that that's good. And I think that layers on top of what we've been talking about, right? Like, sure. Like making, helping people realize that they have the tools, having a good support system um, around you, working with therapists or healthcare professionals that are focused on you and trying to get you back to the things that you enjoy and taking like a whole encompassing approach so not just taking in consideration one factor so let's just say like not just taking in consideration like a bio a biomechanical factor like so just the injury itself like taking in consideration the injury their 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 psychosocial mindset or thinking mm-hmm. their environment you know all of those things I think are super important to consider um, when helping someone and if we just silo ourselves to one area um, is usually when we may not be doing um, the best service to that individual, right? So I think we kind of touched on all good pieces there. Awesome. How do you help a survivor accept their new normal life in whatever capacity that may be, like physical appearance, relationship, finances, career? How would you guys go about that? Yeah. That's, that's a good question. These are good. These are really making me think on this Saturday morning. And I'm out of, I'm out of coffee. No, it's just great. Um, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it, it's, it's challenging, right? Like there's a lot going on there. Um, especially, you know, again, we, we speak from more of a perspective on like injured in people with injuries, right? Like we're not dealing so much with, um, people who've gone through like extreme traumas. Like if we're talking about like, let's say your situation or someone else that maybe had more traumatic, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like someone who's injured themselves that maybe isn't as severe, let's say it, it isn't traumatic for them. Right. So everyone's very individual. Um, so from my perspective, it's like, it's, it's trying to get them to understand that like, to not compare, I think it's hard, but to not compare themselves to where they were pre, pre-injury to yep. post-injury. I think it's like trying to almost redefine themselves as like this newer, newer version of themselves and just kind of explore, explore that instead of like, I think what happens is people are always trying to compare to the past and it may at times not be realistic to do that for whatever, whatever reasons. And you can really dwell on that. So I think for me, and it's hard is like just trying to get people to understand like, yes, this happened. It, and a lot of times it's unfortunate, but you know what, like you're, you're coming out on the other side of it. Let's take control of like the factors that you do have control over and try to make the best out of, out of those opportunities that you have. Um, yeah, that's a very philosophical question. <laughs> that was a good answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think like Dalton nailed a lot of good points. Um, a lot of 
it, I think in physio is experientially kind of driven, you know, meaning like we're seeing people over a long period of time yeah. and we're having a lot of like, you know, things that we're trying, you know, like physically uh, determined by the person's goals and that sort of thing. So we're not just going to necessarily like come out and say, you know, like you need to accept where you're at right now. No, you know, uh, but more like using the experiences that we have had to develop a new framework of what life's going to look like, uh, you know, without, without saying you can't improve, you know, it just may be that there are some changes, you know, Mm -hmm. things are a bit different, but, uh, highlighting the positive things about that, you know, uh, what someone has been able to do. Uh, so rather than pointing out the things they can't do. Yeah. For sure. That's a good way to put it too. I think that kind of gives a good explanation of what I was trying to say. Like, <clears throat> I wouldn't, I don't think I would come out and say like, you know, you're not going to get back to where you were before. Like I, I, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't say that obviously, but like trying to through experience, which is a great way of putting it well, um, and the things that you do try to rebuild their framework of how they see themselves. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Yes, for sure. And that like, I know my physiotherapist, we went out and to make me use a cane, they made sure they got me the girliest one there was at the whole store. It's pink and full of flowers. And <laughs> that was the only way that I'd be able to use it because I wasn't about to use one that looked like it was for an older person. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it's about, right? That's right. <laughs> Do you guys believe that there's a stigma around the word disability? Hmm. I I do think so. Um I think when we view like just because of the nature of like where we're at uh is like it's sort of synonymous with like people with chronic pain. You know, like, I think that's mostly what we see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that could be categorized as a disabling thing. Um, and it's hard for people to understand that because they can't see it and they don't understand it. Yeah. You know, they don't know why this person has pain. If maybe they don't have a clear visual in- injury or something like that. That's the hardest part. Um, for sure. And so I feel like, people have a lot of misconceptions about, about pain and about, uh, people with persistent pain. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think there is a bit of a stigma about that and that's where it becomes hard for those people to, uh, engage socially because they're worried about what people are going to think about it. A hundred percent. I think there is a stigma around it. Um, what I try to do on a daily basis is just always try to encourage people um, that no matter what situation that they're in, that they can adapt and they can change and that there's things that, that can be done to improve your situation. And I think that's, in my opinion, the best way um, you can try to go at that, that situation, right? Like it's hard to, it's hard to communicate it like Will had talked about like when you're dealing with people with chronic pain um, and when you're dealing with things that you can't physically see I Mm -hmm. think um, 
it, it becomes more challenging. And, and I know it, it's kind of, you know, cliche, but um, there, I think that each person can, can change. It's going to be harder for other people. Like, you know, everyone's situation is different. Um, but I really do always just try to encourage that because I personally just believe that that's something that we can do um, as yeah. humans. Yeah. Um, I'm actually been trying to work with my occupational therapist to change the whole, like work with this and help educate people about the stigma around um, disability. Cause I know myself, I've had a hard time with the word disability when they told me at first that, yeah, let's figure out how we're going to deal with your disability. I look at them like, uh, I don't know who you're talking about. It's not me. <laughs> so one of our people we interviewed actually suggested maybe instead of having a person in a wheelchair, uh, she suggested a sunflower, which I just love because it's happy and it, it brings light to the whole thing instead of something of somebody in a wheelchair, right? Because it's not that so much anymore where people aren't, you might like me, I have scars on my leg and I have a limp and I don't require a wheelchair, but just because I come out and my legs covered in the winter doesn't mean that I don't deserve the accessibility pass, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I've been trying to work hard with my OT to get this changed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, you could probably speak from it better, but like when you get labeled as something like that, like it, it makes, it probably makes things hard right like probably it makes you not makes feel you not the greatest and it makes you not want to work as hard because you're like no and if i am that then i might as well follow through with it i guess you could say yeah and you become like it becomes a label that you almost just accept and 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 crutch and i yeah and i think we see that a lot in in clinic if we bring it back to like again what me and will deal with on a daily basis is like people almost just get told that there's something like oh you're a uh, a L5 herniation or like you're like yeah. you're a neo a and like people take this label and accept and, and, and accept it and, and oftentimes it's not their fault like it's just yeah. what they've been labeled as and they don't know any differently and then they start being treated that way whereas like what I think we should start doing is like okay this isn't just like a herniation like this is will like this is yes. Will the human and this yes. is, you know, Will has the ability to do these things and like stop labeling people as one thing that then puts them in this mindset of like, well, they start limiting themselves because well, like if I have a herniation of my disc, then I can't do X or I can't do Y. So they're yes. not even going to pursue it. And I think that's like the unfortunate thing that we see happening and kind of coming back to why I'm always trying to be like empowering people to, you know, go after and get back to doing the things that like they enjoy doing and you know you do have the ability to change and adapt that's great i love that you guys are so empathetic because it's definitely empathy goes a long way especially when you're the patient sitting there <laughs> yeah yeah for sure can you guys name three characteristics that a survivor needs to make it a successful recovery i think one um, thing is patience yes. Ooh, good yeah. one yeah yeah right off the get-go yeah you know, maybe like, me and will can collaborate on this <laughs> there you go that's all right patience i i would definitely 100 percent agree is one again like not to not to play this card all the time but it really does depend like it's very individual so 100%. i, I want to preface it with that because i feel like if people listen to this like i don't want it to be labeled as like these are just like the three things because like yeah 
it's not that way no. um, and everyone's going to be different. And I think it's, that's an important factor for everyone to consider all the time. But yes. I would say like patience is a hundred percent such a good, such a good one because like people need to understand that these things do take time. Yes. And that they're not, they're not linear. They're not like everyone has this trajectory of like straight up, you know, like that perfect incline up. Whereas like oftentimes it's real coaster up and down <laughs> and up and down, which makes it challenging, but patience would be one for sure. Um, number two in my um, would be, I guess, like willing to work, like willing to, to put in that, the effort I think is good because as much as the, the therapist is going to work really hard to, to try and, and help you and, and, and make you get, see the things that you need to do to get better in the end. Like if you're not willing to put in the work, then you're not going to get anywhere. So yeah. I think like the, the, the openness, let's say, to have to work hard because I can see oftentimes when people don't see they're stuck in a tough place where they don't see how hard work can get there and it might take some time. But like the openness to hard work, I think would be a second one. Will, you got the third? Well, I think my third is a little bit like uh, it's maybe a few things, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I think like, uh, you know, don't seek passive help, you know, like be active in like your recovery process. Yeah. And what comes along with that is like, know what you want to achieve, you know, like try or, or try to think about, you know, what your goals are. Like, what do you want to do beyond, uh, beyond just having no pain, you know, because that's going to give you and your therapist something to collaborate on. Uh, and, and, and being active in that process is so important, you know, mm -hmm. like if you're just expecting things to be done to you, uh, maybe a long road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. So, so right. recap, what was it? Patience, <laughs> uh, openness to hard work. Mm -hmm. What was yours? Will? What was the last one? <laughs> so, something to do with being active in your care. Yes. Be active in your of, care. Thinking about your goals. <laughs> And then, and I'm going to add in a bonus one that just popped up in my head. <laughs> and this is, is, is just don't give up. Like, don't yeah. give up if Love something it. doesn't work. Um, and, and, and like, if you have a scenario with any therapist or any healthcare provider and it doesn't work out for you, don't give up on that, that profession. I, you know, like continue to advocate and push for yourself and you will mm -hmm. find someone out there that aligns with what you want to get done. So that would be my last one. Awesome. It's perfect clickbait. The movement PT is hundred thousand things you need to do to get better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, if you could leave healthcare providers with one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, I don't know. Cause uh, we don't know everything, you know, like uh, I don't think we think we're, we're better than anybody, but I think, you know, just from our experiences, um, doing the podcast, I think it's just like reflect on your practice, you know, yeah. Tr just try to get better. Just try to be better and try to be open to maybe reflecting on some of the things you don't do very well. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, one piece of advice that I would give to other 
healthcare professionals. Yeah, we're terrible at this, like one, two, three, like spe- specific okay. pieces of advice. <laughs> um, I like the openness. I think like continuing to, um, to take control of like your own education. And I think this is something I say often for, for like when I was in physiotherapy school and I often recommend to like students is like, um, be in control of your own own education. I think that kind of goes with Will's idea of like reflecting often, but always trying to educate yourself, um, not only in like physiotherapy space, but in other domains um, like around it. Cause there's so many really good takeaways from, from those things that can translate back into um, what you're doing on a daily basis. Like I've learned a lot from reading like psychology books and I've lo- learned a lot from reading um, things written by social workers, you know, yeah. and, and who talk about empathy and who talk about like vulnerability and, and talk about communication and, and how these things can really have an impact. Um, and I think that's helped me out so much in my first year of of practice as a as a physio. So I guess it would be like, be in control of your education and don't be afraid to explore to other like avenues. Awesome. Thank you guys. And to leave it on a happy note, do you guys have maybe a little short story that you guys could leave for our listeners of someone that you've worked with either in placement during school or now that you're out in the working world, that's really stuck with you and inspired you maybe. Yeah. I have one, Will, you want me to go first? I've got one too, but you go first. Okay. Um, it's not a short story, so I'm going to try, I'm going to, I'm going to shorten it. But um, I've been, I was working with a one particular person for, for a very, for a very long time um, with a, with a knee injury. And it, um, it, it, it was something that taught me a lot because from both like, my like my perspective as a healthcare professional and as a as a client perspective and it was it was very important to understand was like we had a very a lot of those up and downs and it was a lot of downs at the start like mm-hmm. and and we had tried a lot of different things like working to get to improve on this injury and and I'm not, and I'm not just talking weeks like I'm I'm talking like months and months and months we we had been working away and seeing very little progress and and we would make a little bit of progress and then it would go back to square one and it was super frustrating from my perspective because like I wanted this person to get better and and like it was super frustrating from her perspective because she's been trying like really hard and and, yeah. and she was really working hard to to get better and and it didn't seem like we were getting anywhere and then for whatever reason, again, sometimes we don't have answers for things. Um, we continued to work away and, and, and things started to turn around and she started improving with her range of motion and her strength and um, everything started to kind of click. And, and then we kind of got over that hump and, and now we're well on our way for her to get back to doing everything that she wants to do. Like, awesome. um, and it's starting to come out on the other side. And like just recently, actually, I had seen her and, and, and she's been able to walk back to work and back um, like every day this week, which is something that she's wow. been wanting to do for like a really long time, like over a year almost now. Um, so like for me, the takeaway from that was like um, kind of never give up like we talked about and how important it is from a clinician's perspective and a client's perspective to to um, 
accept that these things may take a long period of time and they kind of have to buy into it even when it's not going in the right the right direction and i really appreciated her committing to me because oftentimes we we lose people way before we get to that point that we got with her and so i was super appreciative of her just committing to me in the process and trusting that like if we continue to just try that we're going to eventually get there and and it worked out so that would be like my kind of positive story yeah awesome well Uh, um yeah sorry my video like blacked out for a second i was like (laughs) what the heck um yeah uh one one thing that i've had is uh this guy he's a little older um and he he had like a was dealing with a shoulder injury and um uh it was holding him back from going to the gym. Okay. Um, and we spent a lot of time just kind of like, he had a lot of questions kind of like asking like, you know, what's the risk of me like injuring myself further? Uh, what does it mean when I'm actually having pain? And this kind of went over like a few sessions, you know, of like trying some things out, uh, Mm -hmm. gaining some experience with it. Um, he's, he's someone who clearly like really values, like going to the gym and exercising, but he had started trending down a path of like feeling like he had to be completely pain free before he could do any exercise. Uh, and so we finally got to this place where he really understood like that it's okay. Like when you have some discomfort, it doesn't mean you're harming yourself further. And that you can actually, uh, you know, like uh, gain um, gain more movement and capability over time, uh, despite having maybe something sh- that showed up on an image. And I think like seeing him start to, uh, you know, like make choices himself at the gym, like yeah. uh, on trying to push himself and and really understanding it more. Uh, that was super rewarding for me because I could see the mindset shift. Uh, like an aha s- moment for him. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's always rewarding. And there's, there's a lot of examples like that. You know, I think anytime that happens, that's, those have been the, the best uh, situations. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank you guys for doing this with me on a Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, we, <laughs> we love this. No, there's lots of other other things you be, should be doing on a weekend or want to be doing. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Lindsay. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right. Awesome. So where can everyone find you guys on Instagram, Facebook? What, what, they, what should they look for? Um, yeah, so they can find us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the MVMT PTs. We're, we're really active on Instagram the most. So if, if people do want to like reach out to us, I would say reach out to us on Instagram. Um, we also have an email that you guys can email the movement PTs at gmail.com. And then um, our podcast. So the PT coffee cast, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, um, Google podcasts. We, you know, 
Um, if you guys have heard us before or want to check us out, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And, and, you know, if you take value away from any of our episodes, like drop us a review, it really does help us move up the charts. I know you're, you probably realize that too, Lindsay, and yeah. as we're doing podcasts, like get people to subscribe. So we'd really appreciate that if you guys want to check it out. I think you should check out Lindsay's episode. If you're a listener to this podcast, we had Lindsay on our, our podcast, like probably almost a year ago now, which is yeah. insane, but like check it out. It's, it's, um, it's a really good episode. And, and just to kind of say thank you to you, Lindsay, for, for, you know, having us on. Um, it's super amazing to see that you, you know, you stepped out into the space and have started putting your story out there and, and podcasting. I know like when we talked a year ago, that was something that you had been thinking about doing. Yeah. And, and just to see you guys kind of you and your, your partner there step out and do it is, is amazing. And, and, it's really, it's really good. And I think the things that you're doing is important. So just, yeah, we, we appreciate you and we appreciate you taking the time to have us come on and talk over yes. coffee. That's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you everyone for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening in on another episode of And Then It Hit Me. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to share this episode with a friend or someone else who might be going through recovery. Don't forget to like, and comment on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at and then it hit us. Or visit our website and then it hit us.com. Bye everyone. Bye.